Welcome to Southern Steep, the public health and social justice podcast brought to you by NASDAQ, a nonprofit, nonpartisan association mission to end the intersecting epidemics of HIV, viral hepatitis, and related conditions. Much like brewing stronger tea, this platform aims to brew a stronger community by centering community leaders' voices and their innovative work in the Southern United States. All right, all right. Hello. Hey, Justin. How you doing? I'm well, Nicole. How are you today? You know, I am doing so fabulous, and I'm just so excited to have you as a co-host on Southern Steve. Look, I'm excited to be here. I have been waiting on this moment to share with you and with our guests, so I'm ready to get into it. You know, let's get right into it. We've got a phenomenal guest, and that is uh, Joelle Espute. Um, so Joelle Espute uh, uses she, her, hers pronouns, and she currently works with the Normal Anomaly Initiative, Inc., serving as director of programming. She oversees the advocacy leadership programs, including Transgender Ally Collective, a leadership program uplifting and empowering Black trans women, and Project Liberate, a year-long intensive leadership development program for Black queer businesses. Deeply committed to community activism, Joelle also serves on the board of trustees of the Houston LGBTQ Political Caucus, the first Black trans woman nominated to the board. Joelle has worked with AIDS United, GLAAD, the Gilead Compass Initiative, Transgender Law Center, and Emory University, and appeared in the Houston Chronicle, Outsmart Magazine, and Fox 26 Houston's Isaiah Factor Uncensored. She was awarded the Mahogany Project, Inc.'s Rising Star Phoenix Award in 2020, as well as the Carrying the Torch Award at 2022's Houston Trans Pride and the 2022 Monica Roberts Award from the Houston LGBTQ Political Caucus. In 2023, she became a graduate of the American Express Leadership Academy, as well as a Victory Empowerment Fellow of the LGBT Victory Fund. With the Normal Anomaly, she was Honorary Pride Grand Marshal in the 2023 Houston Pride Parade. As a writer, Joelle has been published in the queer publications Spectrum South, The Trans Griot, and Q26. Welcome, Joelle. It's so weird to hear all of that. I'm like, don't Oh, good, morning. good morning. Like, you know, when I was reading your bio earlier, I was like, wow, like, yes, she is doing all of this stuff. So, Joelle, you have been doing a lot of incredible things. We just listed a lot of them. You've been engaging with work locally, nationally. You've been writing. You've been speaking. You've been podcasting. Tell us a little bit about what brought you to the work you're doing. Um, what What is Joelle's why? Um, that's a great question. So a lot of people, anyone that knows me probably longer than like five years or so knows that my background is actually in fashion and apparel manufacturing. I went to school for fashion design and my degree in fashion design. I actually worked um, in the fashion industry for a decade. And I think, um, at that time, because this was in the late 2000s, early 2010s, there just was not any representation. Um, I was oftentimes the only Black trans woman and oftentimes the only Black person in a position of senior management, in a director position. And I just kept hitting this wall um, or this glass ceiling and kept hitting it, kept hitting it. Um, I was also, you know, living in LA. It was just a very different time. And so... 
as I got older and as I kept hitting this wall, I really wanted to figure out, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? Work in fashion and keep hitting this wall and keep being the only person in the room and not addressing these bigger systemic issues. Um, And then my stepfather passed away. And so while I was kind of in this flux and in this transitionary period of my career, I was really able to kind of step back and look and say, I want to do work that's impactful and build a community that looks like me, that identifies as me, um, and really kind of create the life that I want to live and not be dictated by these systems that are oftentimes extremely oppressive. Um, extremely discriminatory. And it kind of led me into advocacy. Um, you know, it, it was happenstance. It wasn't anything that I was intentionally looking for at the time. It was just like, oh, I want to be more engaged in community. And then an opportunity popped up. And then it just kind of led into, you know, into today. Well, look, I'm excited because it's apparent that you are doing impactful work and you have been. And the organization that you're working with, the normal anomaly, is just as impactful with the work that they are doing. So just tell us and our audience a little bit more about the work that the normal anomaly does. So the normal anomaly was founded in 2016. It was a storytelling blog. It was founded by Ian L. Haddock, um, who currently serves as our executive director. Um, And it was really about normalizing Black queer life and kind of really telling new stories. Um, And currently, the normal anomaly seeks to, you know, eliminate barriers and create new norms for Black queer plus people. So our work kind of is very much the margin of center politic where we don't center the groups of people that are oftentimes centered, which are most times white, you know, cis men. Uh, we center those groups that are oftentimes at the margins of society. So Black queer people, Black trans women, persons living in impact with HIV. Um, and we really offer services and programs that really address those social determinants of equity and health that impact those communities. So it's not just simply testing, it's also the transportation service to be linked to care. It's not simply, you know, testing or eliminating HIV, which all, which those things are important. It's how do we create economic justice and how do we make communities sustainable, um, financially sustainable, so they are not engaging in behavior that increases their chances of contracting HIV. Um, so we have programs like our Project Liberate program, which is a small business program for Black group plus businesses that helps to build sustainability for them through instruction, through providing tools and resources, and most importantly, through building community. Because we oftentimes know that it's not the the testing that's the problem. For many people, oftentimes people aren't looking to be linked to care because they're worried about their employment. They're worried about transportation. They're worried about their safety. They're worried about, you know, unstable housing. So we really try to address you know, those systemic issues. Um, another program that we have is our transgender family collective. And that's a program that seeks to uplift and empower Black trans women by pouring into them and helping develop them as leaders and community. Uh, with that program, we 
uplifted 10 black trans women to, you know, be leaders through leadership development. And what we did was we were really intentional about not picking the same black trans women that are oftentimes at the forefront of the conversations. We picked those black trans women that are sex workers, that are cashiers at Walmart, that are unemployed, but really are looking to be the voice and have something to say and contribute to the community, they just have never had the opportunity to. So we really are intentional about leaning into community and really uplifting community from the vantage point of not what the problem is, but what is community doing well? And how can we continue to uplift community and what they're doing well? Wow, Joel, thank you so much for sharing that again impactful after impactful work that you're doing in your communities. And I love the fact that you didn't just kind of hit on the generic needs of our community, but you really went into depth about some of those social determinants, whether it's the financial piece, whether it's the transportation piece. These are the things that are oftentimes ignored in our communities when it comes to our community-based organizations. So I'm so glad that uh, that the work that you're doing in the normal anomaly in Texas, that is impacting so many lives. And again, those populations that are at the margin. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. I also love that you talked a lot about highlighting the strengths in your community, because I think sometimes a lot of the narrative is like gaps and like things going wrong and challenges, but not necessarily looking at like what's strong in you and, you know, lifting up like community resources, assets and the strengths mm -hmm. that people have is just such a powerful thing and really building empowerment within. Uh, and I, I really love that you touched on that. Um, you know, you all have been doing so many different programming uh, within the community and really reaching into a lot of different uh, like pockets as you will. So I'm wondering, like, can you tell us a little bit about like the partnerships that you all have? Because, you know, it's really like teamwork makes the dream work. Y'all have a mighty team, but like, what are your partnerships like? Um, so that's a great question. We have a mighty team of five. <laughs> There's only five of us running about, you know, nearly, you know, eight to 12 programs at a time. Um, and so collaboration is really important for us and really leaning into when we talk about what community does well, as a community, we're all about collaboration and working together. Um, one of the things is, you know, for instance, our music festival, we threw and we, you know, are in the process of planning the third year of Texas's first Black queer-centered music festival. Um, called Blue Queer AF Music Festival. The AF can stand for whatever you think it stands for. Um, but we, with BQAF, we seek to engage community because oftentimes, um, as we've seen in pride processes or celebrations of LGBT pride, uh, Black queer persons are often left out. Those, you know, community stakeholders are often um, either not celebrated or completely removed from the process. Um, and so we've been intentional about engaging, you know, local collaborators, such as we have Ethan Dexter, who throws uh, parties here. Um, we have, like, Nisha the Diva, who's a longtime party promoter and advocate who's been throwing parties in Houston for over 20 years. Um, and then we've also engaged, like, national collaborators, like Gillian, like V. So for us, it's important to not just engage those larger 
collaborators and sponsors and partners, but to be very intentional about engaging the local. Um, one thing that we also do is businesses that are in our small business program, Project Liberate, we engage them as well. We have them come back as vendors. We have them come back as you know, participants in our Black Queer Advancement Forum, which was a two-day um, kind of community forum focusing on issues that impact our community. Uh, with this year, Project Liberate, the third year, uh, we've actually had those alumni and graduates of the first two years come back as peer advisors and leading and kind of helping to co-create this ecosystem of Project Liberate. For us, we can't do the work without collaboration. Like, there, the need of the community is so big, and so many in community do so many things well that us at the normal anomaly, we don't have the bandwidth, the capacity, and some of the things we just can't do and we don't do. Uh, but we choose to, instead of trying to do everything, really uplift community in the things that they do well and the things that they want to do and really help to continue to build a community that we want to see. <laughs> Look, I think it's so amazing uh, as I continue to listen to the work. You know, I'm very familiar with uh, your leadership at the Normal Anomaly and uh, how the organization came about. And it's really at the intersection of, of shifting and change and not falling into the same systems and the norms. And it kind of just takes me into just wanting to dig a little deeper in talking about how you all are eliminating barriers through the creation of new norms. And so I know your mission already emphasizes um, how you all are eliminating barriers and ending stigma. But how do you envision that as you are in your position now within the organization? How do you envision that? Um, I think eliminating barriers and creating new norms for me means shifting the narrative of the way that we engage and do the work. I think that oftentimes the, the, the way that we engage in the work um, I'll speak specifically about Black trans women. The, the way that we engage in the work for Black trans women is very depressing. It's doom, it's gloom, it's, you know, the medium age of that, you know, Black trans women's life is 35. Texas is the murder capital of the world. All of these depressing things. Um, what we do is we shift them and we say, how can we empower the Black trans women to change the narrative? Because the narrative can change. How do we create new possibility models of a life that is not just surviving, but of thriving? And that's, you know, helping to develop and pour into Black trans women. That's helping to not just have them go through our leadership program, but, okay, providing them with a what's next, providing them with continuous, expansive possibility models of what can be. Uh, when I think about uh, HIV advocacy work, it's Doing the work not in silos. I think that oftentimes um, HIV advocacy work is persons living with HIV are kind of doing the work in silos and not with people that are impacted by HIV, not with allies of the community. And we're not having those important, impactful conversations. And we're also doing the work with a limited belief of, you know, not. You can thrive. You can live these, you know, these expansive lives. I think for me, when we talk about eliminating barriers and creating new norms, it's co-creating a community 
that leans into joy and Black queer joy and liberation and what that looks like, a community that you can make a mistake and you can falter and that's a part of life. And, you know, instead of being triggered and traumatized by those mistakes, we lean into the joy of um, I think that in other communities that I've, you know, been fortunate to be a part of that are outside of the South, um, making a mistake is kind of a part of life. Um, and there's still the joy aspect. And I think that unfortunately for Black queer persons in the South, especially those living and impacted by HIV, especially those that are trans or on the spectrum of gender identity, you just don't get the opportunity to lean into joy. You don't get the opportunity to be able to just live and breathe and experiment and think expansively and make a mistake. And so for me, creating new norms is having this braver, courageous, safer space to just kind of live and exist and lean into joy and do what feels good. And if it stops feeling good, then that's okay. Kind of do something else. But having the space and the support where that's okay. Oh my gosh. I got chills. I mean, I'm going to tell you why. You said something that was so profound that it's not just about surviving, that it is about thriving. And that statement is so real because in this work and our efforts, so often we spend so much time trying to help people, people survive, but we're not providing them the tools, the resources, or changing the norms to help them to be able to thrive, to recognize that there's so much more than their circumstances, they're the manifestation of their resilience and all the beautiful things about them. So thank you so much for, for sharing that. It's really important. One of my, because um, I'm a strong proponent of mental health, I've been a strong proponent for years before I even knew the language of mental health, but I've been in therapy for over a decade. And one of the things recently that my therapist told me was, you know, you are doing all of the work to work through all of your trauma, but what are you replacing it with? And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, well, what are you replacing it with? If you don't have the, if you're no longer living in trauma and triggers, what are you filling that space with? What, you know, and it made me kind of shift my thinking of leaning more into joy and filling those spaces with joy or things that make me happy or liberation or rest or sleep or, you know, being able to choose and not feeling like that is a privilege because it actually should be a right and a necessity for everyone. It's just so many in our community don't have the opportunity to. Wow. Yeah. You know, like, yes, you've hit the nail on the head. Like rest is an act of resilience. Joy is, you know, an act of just, it's joy is, is joyous but no like mm -hmm. honestly like joy being able to have and experience joy i feel like oppressors want to take that away from someone um and like i feel like there's so much attention to like oh the like surviving constantly but not necessarily <clears throat> recognizing moments of joy and i think as like a field as like a public health field there needs to be more attention to joy and how beautiful it is and how we need to talk about joy. What gives community joy instead of like, how can we prevent X, Y, and Z? You know, talking, like taking away risk, but like what gives you pleasure? No, like having these conversations and really showing that joy is something that 
we need to talk about. Um, pleasure is something that we need to talk about. And, you know, how can we make pleasure even more accessible or more like, you know, acceptable, like being talked about. Um, and I really love how you all are really creating new norms. You all are really building a movement. Um, something you were saying, which I love is like, you're creating a circuit, like a pipeline of new leaders. You're engaging folks, but you're keeping them part of the community and continuing to like create more and more movement and make an impact. And, you know, it's not a surprise that you all have had so much incredible momentum because you're really bringing people along with you instead of like passing along on a tour. You know what I mean? Um, it's just really beautiful to see uh, the impact y'all are making in like Houston, but like the South writ large. Thank you for that. I think it's important to to bring community along and to it's the what next. I think oftentimes, um, well, I think with many programs that we do in advocacy or HIV prevention or services, there reaches the end of the program. But it's I think that community doesn't oftentimes need the program. They need the what next after the program way more. They need the ancillary stuff for the program. So yes, community needs the leadership development, but they need, okay, well, what do I do after? Afterwards, like what, or what do I do, you know, two steps out? And so I think that it's important to continue to pour in and create the spaces of, so what next can be whatever you want it to be, or it can be nothing. Um, and also creating succession plans and community. I think doing the work that we do, it is exhausting, it is draining, um, sometimes it's traumatic and triggering in itself, um, and the reality is, is that we, you know, we lose people to, to the battle, to, you know, to the work, um, for various reasons, and we create mortars when there don't, when there shouldn't be mortars, when it should be the community should be there to pick up the work and move it forward. It shouldn't be if Joelle passes away tomorrow, there's only one Black trans woman that could pick up all of the work. No, there should absolutely be a group of Black trans women that can pick and choose what they want to move forward with. And we should continue to create these succession plans in our community because in other industries, they do it in places of privilege, they are definitely creating succession plans. And that's how they continue to hoard and keep the power. So why are we not doing it? Why are we, you know, only thinking, okay, there's only one person that I know that can do this. Well, how can we build and create more persons that want to do the work and not do the work from a place of, I have to do this to survive, but do this from a place of, I want to do this because I want to build the best you know, I want to build the best community. I want to see the best for my community. You know, the work brings me joy. Um, and I think it's important and we can't do that unless we are, you know, not just simply, okay, you're in this program and we're done, but bringing them on along the way. And not to say that that's easy because it is, it is challenging. Um, and also it's very new. So it's not a perfect process by any means and we're not striving for perfection it's really let us continue to organically create and co-create 
this braver, courageous space where we're all moving forward. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, we get it right. Sometimes we don't. But we're still doing. We're still doing. We're pouring in. We're creating new leaders. We're, you know, bringing people along the ride. And, okay, what's next? And just following us and trusting the process in the fact that we are all in this when we are envisioning this new world. Look, I feel like I am getting poured into and I'm being inspired and motivated just in this conversation and dialogue with you because it's one thing to have someone who does the work and organizations who do the work, but it's another thing to truly be able to feel your passion and your commitment that's purpose, that's the blueprint for your life. And so I, I love when people can pour into me through their own personal stories and work that they're doing. You were just talking about pouring in your cup. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I would agree that uh, I feel like my cup has been more full. Uh, I got to see Joelle at a United States conference on HIV AIDS and Getting that hug from her really did fill up my cup in more ways than I really thought that seeing this beautiful human would be. Um, and Joelle, like, I just want to say uh, your impact is noted and felt, um, you know, whether it's in a couple of minutes at like a conference and a hug or you sharing the beautiful work that you all are doing and the impact you're making in your community. Um, so, yeah, no, like, thank you. Um, I had the privilege of getting to go visit y'all at the Normal Anomaly uh, the other year. And like the space y'all have is really cool. The work you're doing is really cool. Um, and, and you're really cool. Um, so thank yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, physical touch is my love language. So that is why I, and I just, people just don't hug anymore. Especially we're, you know, in the third year of a, pandemic, panorama, just everything, all of the things in like, you know, for many people, they are still isolated and that the trauma of being isolated for years. And so for me, I'm a hugger, a physical touch is my love language. And especially in doing this work, like, and I'm, I'm single, I live alone. So, you know, just for me being in community, I just, I want to, if that is the only hug, or if that is the only level of intimacy that people in community feel, like I really try to offer that. Um, because for me, it's healed. Um, it, it does something. So I am, I am a hunger. I absolutely love to hunger. And it was so good to see you. Um, it was so good to see you. And look, I actually had an opportunity to come to, I think it's the Black Queer AF. Um, again, take it how you want to take it. I think it was it 2021 or 2022? Mm -hmm. uh, 22. Let me tell you, uh, I think Duran Bernard was mm -hmm. the, the artist and I had the best time and it was so amazing to see all those beautiful queer people, queer folk in there interacting and having fun with each other. Like it was a it was a moment, it was a mood, it was AF. <laughs> AF. Um, we have a few more questions for you before we get to the Southern Charm segment. Um, and so uh, you've been, you live in Houston, Texas. 
Um, what do you love about the South? Um, and what do you want to see for the South? God, I, I came to Houston actually six years ago this week. I came to Houston. I came right after Harvey. Um, and what I love about Houston and the South is how Black it is. Um, what I love about Houston specifically is about how Black and queer it is. Now, of course, it's the South. It, you know, there's a lot of, of things that come with the South. Um, but I love how just how black it is. It feels like home. It, you know, when, wherever you go, it feels like home. Um, and, and, but what I would love to see for the South is progression, is moving past those Southern conservative boxes that tends to, to conceal and bind us. Um, being from LA and being from the West Coast, I've had the opportunity to live in spaces that were a little more expansive, that were a little more free. Um, they just weren't black. Um, they just weren't unapologetically black. And so I, I can envision and see it. And you know, coming to Houston, I'm like, I see what it can be. Um, and I just, what I would love for Houston for the future and the South is to continue to lean into progress lean into the unknown and lean into the joy of it um, and step away from patriarchy because patriarchy has not done any of us any good. So, you know, instead of saying, well, this is the way that it's always been, think about how it could be. Um, that is what I would love to see. And that's what I continue to work for is that. Well, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, how can folks get in touch with you and your organization? Um, so we are the Normal Anomaly Initiative. We are the Normal Anomaly on all social media platforms. On Twitter, we're underscore Normal Anomaly. On Instagram and Facebook, we're the Normal Anomaly. Um, you can go to our website, normalanomaly.org. I know Normal Anomaly is kind of a tongue twister. It's N-O-R-M-A-L-A-N-O-M-A-L-Y.org. Um, and if you want to follow me and the work that I do, so my social media handles are a little bit um, funny. They're, it's your man's first choice on, on Instagram. Um, and then on Facebook, um, Joelle, um, they have Zori. Can I just say that you're the only choice? You know, uh, hey, I, we have choices, but I'm just the first choice. So I just want people to know that freedom of choice, but hey. There is always a partial. I love that slogan. Um, yes, 100% co-signed here. Joelle, it's been a, an amazing privilege getting to talk with you today. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your, your, just, your overall gem, um, your, your charm. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. time for a segment we call Southern Charm. Here we highlight the work of someone or an organization that is charmingly impacting the South. 
On today's episode, we are highlighting the Truth Project based in Houston. The Telling Real Unapologetic Through Healing Truth Project is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to educate and mobilize LGBTQ communities of color and their allies through social arts that promote mental, emotional, and sexual health. They host a variety of wellness programs, including support spaces and yoga, and have developed different storytelling initiatives, such as And We Rest on Giants, a short film produced by The Truth Project Incorporated and directed by Kevin Anderson, the CEO, that focuses on the storytelling of long-term HIV survivors, stigma reduction through their narrative, and a celebration of their lives. You can learn more about The Truth Project at www.truthprojecthtx.org. You know, we love a good little theme here on uh, on Southern Steep, and we just had a really great conversation about some Houston work going on. So, like, keep it... Keep it in the Houston. Um, you know, Houston yeah. is where it's at. Sounds Houston's like it. Where it's at. Oh. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, for real though, like Houston's, Houston's a time. It is. It is. I'm excited. Yeah. And I love the fact that specifically with this project, uh, it's so often that we don't get to really tell our truth. Um, and I think when we can't tell our truth, we can't honestly heal. Uh, I think one of the things that I've learned about, at least personally, uh, trauma and experiences is that until you're able to admit and own those experiences and be able to talk about them and explore them, that you can't move past them. So I love organizations that are that are creating these safe spaces for folks like me and Joelle and others to be able to just share openly and unapologetically about the crap that we experience in life that we're navigating. So lovely work. It's been really, really great uh, having this time to really like talk, share space. um, And I really appreciate getting this opportunity to co-host with you, Justin. Um, I I feel like you're the co-host with the most. Uh, the nervous co-host with the most. <laughs> you know, you would never know. Uh, and also, who knew about your radio quality voice? You know, I try to whip it out every now and then. You don't want to give the girls too much. <laughs> I, just, I, I feel like you're giving us a lot, but I know that there's probably a little bit more. You're you're whole, you're saving some. That means they have to come back for another episode. You know. I love that. You're right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, thank you all so much for listening to uh, today's episode of Southern Steve. I'm Nicole Elinoff. And I'm Justin Lofton. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.